Let us pray. O Lord our God, teach us, we ask you, to ask you aright for the right blessings. Steer the vessel of our life towards yourself, your tranquil haven of all storm-tossed souls. Show us the course wherein we should go. Renew a willing spirit within us. Let your spirit curb our wayward senses and guide and enable us to that which is our true good, to keep your laws and all our works evermore to rejoice in your glorious and gladdening presence. Yours is the glory and praise from all your saints, forever and ever. Amen. I imagine that Noah had a lot of time to think on the ark. Now I know that he was probably busy, day by day, with certain chores and taking care of the animals and cleaning out all the stalls, you know, eating dinner and all that. But I'm sure there were a lot of cloudy nights, and even towards the end of his journey, some starry nights, where he would just look up at the sky, scratch his head, and wonder what would be of everything that had happened, and what, what this new world would look like that he was sailing off into. And as the ark began to settle, and as he was preparing to disembark with his family, his questions probably rattled around in his head. What, what would they be building? What would they be doing? What would, what would God reveal to them um, in this, this renewed sort of creation? And then came that moment where God bid them to go forth and leave the ark, this place they had been for so long, and I'm sure Noah was still thinking, okay, what's the next steps? And so he put his feet on, I would imagine, very, very soggy ground. This man who had a deep, deep faith, right? I mean, faith, it took a lot of faith to build an ark, you know, to, just a preposterous idea from God to save a bunch of animals and people on a big old boat from a big old rainstorm. It's a man of hope. I mean, it takes a lot of hope to do what he did. And he a lot of love. He's a man of love. A lot of love of God that got him to the place where he could do what he did. Love for the earth, love for his family, love for God's creation. But there he was, this man of faith and hope and love, putting his feet on this damp ground, wondering what would be next. What would the new world look like? After everything that had been done, how the world had been totally turned apart would be starting new. What would he do? I'm sure he had his anxious moments, even though he was a man of deep faith. And then God speaks. Be fruitful and multiply. God is reordering creation with the very words he gave to creation at the beginning. Be fruitful and multiply. So then Noah... I'm sure he had a sense of confidence. Oh, yes, God's going to speak again like he did in the past, and he's going to help us build this new world. So Noah takes some wood and takes some animals. He builds an altar. He begins to worship the true God. He offers sacrifices. And then he hears God speak again. Be fruitful and multiply. Replenish the earth. 
so Noah had more strength, more confidence. And God is saying the same thing. Be fruitful. Go out. Fill the world with faith, hope, and love. And then God expands on it just a little bit. Tells Noah not to eat blood, or eat, excuse me, eat meat with the blood in it. Tells Noah and everyone with him they're not to murder. Again, God says, be fruitful and multiply. And then God hangs up his bow in the sky, signaling that he's no longer going to be a God of war. He's never, never again going to fight against the world. Noah plants a vineyard, which is a sign of culture. He cultivates the earth, and it starts to build this new world. And the family goes out, and they are fruitful, and they multiply, and they begin building this new world. <clears throat> Peter and James, John, Paul and Barnabas, the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mary Magdalene, all the apostles and all that band that gathered around Jesus and that were now starting this new thing in Jerusalem probably had their moments where they were scratching their head, wondering what God was going to do. I mean, they too were building an ark. The church has always been symbolized by the ark in this haven, the shelter upon the chaos of the world and the storms of life. And they were building that ark piece by piece the Holy Spirit as a guide. They too were wondering what the project of a new world would look like. And they were building the church. I mean, quite literally, this great thing that we are a part of now. They're putting together piece by piece by piece. Wondering what it would look like. Wondering what God was doing. Wondering who would be a part of it. There's always been this great Jewish-Gentile divide and now it seemed like God was just destroying that and tearing down that division. And for somebody like Peter, especially, who had been so, I mean, just so tied to his, his faith and the way he brought up, so faithful, it must have seemed like God was doing wild things. And he must have been scratching his head. But he must have been excited because he too and all the apostles were men of faith, women of hope, people of love. So as they wrestled with how God was going to bring in these people into this new faith and graft them onto the Jewish, Jewish flock, they gathered together and they had a council. And God spoke. And the Holy Spirit moved through them. And we hear the same words, the same commands that God gave to Noah as he stepped off the ark. God gave to the church. Keep away from things polluted by idols, which is to abstain from idolatry. Do not um, ingest meat with blood in it. Um, stay away from sexual immorality, sort of the negative version of be fruitful and multiply. And of course, abstain from blood, which most commentators will say means murder. So here, as the apostles are building the new world, in the process of rebuilding the world, um, like Noah and his family, they have the same set of commands, the commands for a new world, the blueprint for a better way of being. 
this church would not just be made up of Jews, but would be made up of all the nations and all the peoples of the world, all the races, all the languages, with faith in Christ and these minimum requirements. And the apostles went forth, setting their feet down in this new world, and proclaimed that gospel and told people about the ark of the church. And they were fruitful, and they multiplied through the power of the Holy Spirit, the gospel message. And nations and people came to know Christ. And slaves were freed, and people turned from idols to the true God. Those who were sexually oppressed were set free. Because the church was the revolution of all revolutions. And it totally changed their culture. And all the wicked and depraved things that had happened were slowly put aside through the power of the Holy Spirit working in the Roman and um, Greek world and then to the ends of the earth up into even as far away as we are from Jerusalem where the church started. Animals and men were treated better because of the church. Because of these laws, these four requirements, these laws, these things. And so a new world has began. Begun the world that we're part of. We here at Advent are building an ark. We here at Advent are working on something new. Most of you know that I can get a little dramatic. Definitely lean to the apocalyptic sometimes. Um, and I hope I'm wrong. Um, but some days I look, at, I look at what's going on in the world. And I just have to go grab a rosary and go downstairs and pray. And get on my knees because it's the only option I can see that there is. You know, I, th I think about Noah like looking at the world as he's building this ark and just shaking his head and stopping to go pray or offer up a, a sacrifice and just praying that things would turn around. Um, I mean, he lived in a time of just absolute idolatry and sexual immorality. And um, so do we. And there was rebellion against the order that God had set up in Noah's time so much that the world was just destroyed. And we have, I mean, we're just facing a massive rebellion against God's order. And the absolute dismissal of reason. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't want to be an alarmist, but sometimes it seems like times of dark. But even in the midst of that, we're putting together a church, piece by piece, dinner by dinner, evening prayer service by evening prayer service. We're gathering a candle here, we're getting a cup from this group, we're getting a plate from this group. We're worshiping around um, forgotten altars, and we're, we're making this thing happen, you know, day by day, in little ways, you know, creating, creating a family, you know, a family placed in this little ark that we're building here, which is a part of the great ark, the church. And we too, guided by the Holy Spirit, hope to be carried over the chaos, whatever chaos the world might bring. No matter what happens, we know that God is with us and protecting us, and he continues to speak as he spoke to Noah and the apostles. I cannot tell you what's going to happen. Things might change. There might be an awakening. Everything might be fine. But we may find ourselves 
placing our feet down some very damp ground someday, coming out of some type of ark. Maybe it won't be us. Maybe it'll be our children or our grandchildren. We'll have to go through some massive overturning of society. But we and they will put our feet down in the, same, in the footprints of the apostles and go forth to build a new world with the gospel message that the apostles brought, with the minimum commandments that keep us from idolatry, that keep us from being imprisoned in, in a, just a state of absolute selfishness. We have the blueprints and the frameworks and the words to build this ark, to repair the ark of the church, to help build a new and better world. Always being fruitful, always multiplying, spreading the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, setting us free from other gods, other idols, setting us free from the imprisonment of sexuality, um, of disordered sexuality, excuse me, setting us free from ourselves. And so we put those pieces together day by day. Gathering like we are now, um, meeting new people, having dinner, having lunch, sharing just the very simple moments of our lives, even when we are exhausted. And we build today, and we build tomorrow, and we build the next day, and we build, knowing that God is constantly with us, ever teaching ever faithful, ever present. Always remaining people of faith, hope, and love, like the apostles and their company, like Noah and his family. That prophecy that we read in Ezekiel and heard tonight, God being with his people, saving them for their backsliding, gathering them together, and making their sanctuary a light to the nations is ours. It's the story of the church. It's the story of God's people. Let us always be that people. The Apostle St. John, in his first letter to the church, um, writes a great deal about love and the effect that love ought to have on the members of the church. Because God loved us. God is love. And that love is transforming. And after he writes all these wonderful and great things in his letter, he has a brief, brief um, ending. You know, no, no prayer, nothing like St. Paul, um, no doxology like St. Jude, just an ending, and he's out. But it's important relates to everything Noah was taught, everything the apostles taught, everything we're taught now. I leave you with that tonight. Because it's so important. Little children, keep yourself from idols. Amen.